Welcome to the Comparing Notes podcast. My name is Glenn Schreiber, and I'm alongside my co-hosts, Andy Wolf and Ryan Haskins. Uh, we are three ordinary pastors from three different generations comparing notes about life and ministry, and we welcome you to uh, our time today. Uh, as our usual, uh, at the beginning of each podcast, we like to illustrate our differing generational perspectives by answering a, hopefully a simple question. The question today, guys, is what's your earliest memory of a conflict being played out on the national or world stage? What's your earliest memory of a conflict being, being played out on the national or world stage? Well, my mind immediately runs to elections. And uh, I remember it was very memorable when uh, Carter and Reagan were in basically battle for the presidency. Um, his presidency hadn't gone very well. The hostages were in Iran mm-hmm. um, and uh, Reagan pretty much wiped the floor with them during that election season. Um, and then uh, actually when when he was uh, put into office, my my sister was born. So it was a it was a very memorable time in my life. Um, but I definitely remember that taking over kind of the world or, or at least the U.S. political scene. Yeah, yeah. Ryan. Okay, I, I think mine is going to really date me, um, which is the point of these questions. But it's also, you know, I'm kind of uh, sad that this is the first thing. But it's when I was 12, I'll just put an age by it. It was 9-11. It was just kind of the first time when I was like, oh, okay. So that actually, like wars are still happening and conflicts are still happening. That was the first thing that came to mind. Mm-hmm. So I'll stick mm-hmm. with it. Well, and, and I will certainly age myself here too. I think it was when I was about 10 or 11 Uh, Let's just say 10 and uh, JFK was the president and that was a big deal. Uh, Back then, everyone was in love with with him and and his wife and the family. Uh, But it was the Bay of Pigs, the Cuban Missile Crisis. And just Mm -hmm. that Bay of Pigs got my (laughs) hit my mind. And uh, uh, and I didn't know really what was going on around it. I just thought, wow, Bay of Pigs, Cuban Missile Crisis, all that stuff. That sounded really important and scary. and and different. Uh, but let me just play it out a little bit more, and I think I'll tie this in. So what's your earliest memory of a conflict that, that played out in your family? And I'll throw in, give you guys a little bit of time. The, only, the first thing I remember is my older brother chasing me around the kitchen with a knife in his hand. And not, not just a, and not, and not a butter knife. I mean, we're wow. talking a knife knife. And uh, I was faster, and uh, it didn't amount to anything. But that's, and I don't know what we were fighting over, but I did something. And it ticked them off. I, I mean, I'll go next. And it's kind of hard for me to nail down a, a specific time. So I had three sisters growing up. And my dad said that I went through a period of time when I was at odds with all three of them. So there was a lot of angst in the Haskins household. And I was mostly at the center of it. Uh, but that's kind of hard to like nail down a specific time. But I will, I, I, I will say there's one moment that sticks out in my childhood uh, and I probably was 10 or 11 and my parents only had uh, one fight in front of us. And it was kind of, it was, it was so, it wasn't throwing pots and pans, but it was like the, one of the only times I ever heard my, my parents raise their voice at each other in a true kind of like yelling fashion, like, okay, something is not, not right. And it happened around 10 or 12 and it shook me to my core. Um, yeah. just, just kind of recognizing like, oh Okay, so there's there can be conflict there. That's didn't an, have it happen much afterwards, but that's, around an, there. that's an important part of your story. We'll have to come back to and tie it in where we're going today. Andy, how about okay. you? 
Well, I don't know if I can remember first, but I definitely remember um, some feeling of difficulty and tension. Uh, you know, I think I said before that my dad is a pastor. And uh, during my youth, we switched uh, to, we went from one church to another church and then went um, out of ministry. And definitely around those times, just the difficulties and the conflicts, um, because they not only were something that happened in the church, but in a pastor's home, they end up coming into your home and they end up affecting kind of the feeling and the, and the attention in the home. And I can remember that on both occasions. The first one, maybe a little bit less and just kind of remembering it more as a feeling. But the second one, definitely, as we were, we were kind of making our exit or having some difficulties, I can remember the, the you know, tension in the home and, and some pretty, I wouldn't say heated discussions, but some pretty intense discussions that happened in our home. Sure. And, and your story right there mirrors the point of your story, Ryan, that I wanted to bring out. The, the topic for today is, uh, is conflict and resolution in the church. Um, you know, we were talking about what topics to pick. Someone threw that one out and both of you quickly jumped on that. So I'm cur- one, I'm just curious why that was jumped on so quickly, though I think all of us can imagine because we all live there. But, but I think that's the point. You know, conflict and resolution in the church, uh, but we also have it in the home. Uh, we certainly have it on the world stage, as we mentioned. But I just think of in the home, you have that around the dinner table. You know, you have some stuff that comes out in the bedroom, as we now know as adults. Uh, you have the conflict and hopeful resolution that comes through there. Uh, in your leisure room or whatever you call it, around what you're going to watch on TV together or anything of that sort. You know, you also have a conflict uh, going on at work. You have it going on in the neighborhood. You, go, you have it any place that we go where there are people we're going to have conflict and hopefully resolution. But when it comes to conflict and resolution in the church, um, do we think it should be different there? Do we think it should be easier to handle there or should it, it should not come? Well, I think sometimes we're Pollyanna and we don't think there should be conflict in churches, um, you know, because we're we all love Jesus and, you know, we're a part of God's kingdom and we're the church. And so we're all going to, you know, all get along and sing Kumbaya and hold hands. Um, but I, I think we do a poor job sometimes of reading the New Testament. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, the majority of the letters written in the, in the New Testament are born out of conflict of some form or fashion. You know, sometimes it was interpersonal. Sometimes it was theological. Um, sometimes it was just philosophical. But, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting to me. It's always interesting to me when people say, um, well, we want to be like the early church. And I always think, I always think of that and go, okay, well, which church? Um, because <laughs> some of the churches I see in the New Testament, I don't know that I want to necessarily be like. Um, and a lot of that has to do with the difficulties and the conflicts that they, they were in. Absolutely well, right. I, I would say, too, to that, I actually think at times, I, it, this is an exclusive, but at times, conflict resolution is more difficult in the church because the world, and I would say anybody but the church, often the conflict resolution is, well, just get rid of them, kick them out, shun them, cancel them, put them out of your life, you know, however you want to word that. And the church is that place where grace actually makes it messy and forgiveness makes it messy. Because when you have to stand around and forgive the person that sinned against you and that you have conflict with, as opposed to just saying, you know what, I'm right, you're wrong, get out of my life, and just carrying that 
angst and bitterness against them, that is on a temporal level and on a human level almost easier than saying, okay, how am I going to look past the offense, look past the sin, look past the hurt, and offer the forgiveness that God has, has given me? That's a harder thing to do than it is to just reject them. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, yeah, it's, it, I found it easier to work with employees than it is with volunteers. And that's what we have mm-hmm. in the church largely is the volunteers. When and how do you, do you fire a volunteer? Uh, that can get really messy really quickly. And, uh, and I, I guess the, the employer firing someone certainly can get messy too. It's just kind of out of your business. You're not seeing it, but we are, uh, we are challenged to make better of it in the church. I'm reading Titus 1. Um, uh, Paul writing to Titus, this is why I left you in Crete, so you might put what, mm-hmm. what remained in order. And I want you to appoint elders in every town as I directed you, and then gives you the qualification for those elders. Um, you know, wherever there are people, there's going to need to be someone to help us put it in order. And, and, and we want those people who are going to be put in order to hopefully be mature enough, have enough experience, able to see it through enough of a spiritual godly lens to be able to, to answer that. But it was, uh, he says, for there are many who are insubordinate, empty talkers and deceivers. Um, they must be silenced. They are upsetting whole families. And I'm just thinking of your guys' story, you know, this tension that we do have, whether it's in the home or whether it's in the church and it finds its way back home. Um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of collateral damage that comes from our inability to handle conflict. Well, uh, and to find that resolution. Well, and I think to Andy's point that, that he mentioned earlier that that the church can have this very Pollyanna view of, of the world where the church, I think, is is very weak is its inability to say, hey, you are acting in sin or hey, you're creating conflict here or putting up those barriers that clearly Paul is telling Titus is like, okay, there are people who are going to act this way. Do not allow them to act this way in the church or put up stopgaps so that they recognize that this, these actions are not allowed in the church. And yet, again, to go back to that word of grace, at, at times we can all, we, I think we can use that. Well, we need to forgive them. We need to be gracious towards them, which is all true. I'm not, I'm not, um, uh, denying that fact, but they, we also need to set these boundaries of, we treat people a certain way based upon how one, the Lord has treated us, but two, based upon how the Lord has created us and, and uh, designed us. And so in the church, some of that conflict resolution can come by setting those barriers up. Mm -hmm. Stop doing this. I'm not going to take that any longer. We're no longer going to allow you to hurt us and hurt yourself by doing X, Y, and Z. Yeah. Which just can make it, you know, even more all confusing. Glenn, I'd be interested to hear. I mean, you probably, have been in more conflicts than either one of us um, simply because of your position. Um, and that has been part of your job for many, many years. Um, you're the guy that gets called when the conflicts gets to a certain level and they need outside help. Um, I, and I'd be curious for your thoughts on this question. It, it seems like there's always this tension at play. Like you hear it in Titus there where he's telling them to appoint leaders and leaders lead and have a direction. But then we also believe in the priesthood of all believers. And there's a mm. sense in the church where you have, you know, the priesthood of all believers and you, you have the spirit available and in other people. 
And that seems like a lot of times there's there's this balancing act that's going on in the church that doesn't really exist maybe in in a workplace. Um, because if I'm a boss and you're an employee and I tell you to do this and you don't do it, I fire you. Yep. Um, and so, I, I mean, hmm. maybe explain that a little bit and, and how do you see that play into the conflict resolution? Well, first, um, based on what you've already heard me say, uh, uh, I'm not surprised when I get those calls. Um, the first thing that I do is I'm praying, Holy Spirit, uh, give me the wisdom to know and the ability to be able to listen and to discern and to ask good questions and to find just kind of what is the uh, what really is at play here. Uh, I'll talk about I'll, I'll ask about how they processed it so far, uh, making sure the principles, the principal people are the ones that are at play in this and that they're not going around or trying to manipulate me into the situation, but that uh, but they've tried, you know, all these other uh, uh, ways of being able to deal with it. And now it's just time for someone from the outside to come in and give some perspective and to, to guide them back. So the thing that I'm trying to do is to help them solve their own, their, their own problems by just calling them back to um, the own processes that they have in play. Uh, where's the spiritual line of authority uh, come technically as an organization? Uh, how do they, how do they set things in place to solve disputable matters? But then what you said, uh, rightly so, Andy, is the priesthood of believers. Uh, if we are believers, we're in the church, no matter what your position, you have access to wisdom in the Holy Spirit. So I want to hear from anybody and everybody that might have something to say about this that can lend perspective and, and, and can bring possible solution. Um, you know, motives abound. Um, and so you're trying to, to discern uh, what the motives are, who's, who's saying what, for, for what purpose. Um, outcomes. Uh, what's the outcome that's being sought by this person, by this group versus that? Um, I try to go in uh, personally not to have those preconceived outcomes in mind, uh, but to be able to uh, to listen and hear and judge. And a lot of it is just trying to direct them. And, and again, I go back to to why I started this. We have conflicts in the home. How do we try to how do we try to resolve those conflicts? It's probably as a parent, it's probably not too different. Then, then when when I get invited into a to a church situation, is the parent comes in, tries to discern what's going on with the kids. Might be time for a timeout, and that reminds me of one thing: is that really try to slow things down. Um, the there, there's a there's just a real there's an opportunity to to just react too quickly, take sides too quickly, think you have this the solution, uh, uh, black and white. Here it goes. When when it's rarely that. So try to slow things down versus the parental timeout, uh, letting people think it through, and uh, those. Were you hoping for a parental timeout when your brother was chasing you with a butcher knife? <laughs> man, where was that parent? <laughs> <laughs> it was a parent I needed. Oh, Help. Yeah. Do you think so, that there's different um, different levels, or maybe even different types of conflict? I mean, I, I think of absolutely. There's kind of the interpersonal where you've got two people that are just different and think differently or act differently, or maybe they're from different cultures. Um, I think of theological and yep. I, you know, sometimes that's disputable matters and sometimes it's not. Um, that's what you're trying to discern all yeah. along the way. Cause all those things are at play at one, like I'm dealing with a few situations right now. One's doctrinal, one's personal, one's, you know, you, you just kind of list it and being able to do that. So, 
one, I want to know myself going into a situation. What are my proclivities? Where, where, where mm. might I, where, where might I, um, I don't want to go in and just because of who I am and how I handle things and so forth, blow it up even more. Um, but then I want to, so who am I, who am I dealing with? What's their experience? What's their personality type? What are their inclinations? What's this person's that? Then what is the context? What is the issue that's at play? What's the real issue at play? Where's the real hurt here uh, in this situation um, uh, that, that we're trying to get to that's being played out now in this and, uh, and just trying to, uh, to bring that all. And, and, and sometimes, um, again, I'm, I'm also working towards, in my position, I'm working towards a long-term relationship with that church. So I don't want to go in and just think I'm the answer person and whenever a church has trouble, you call me and I'll come in and figure it out. Again, I'm trying to help them to figure it out. And sometimes that means uh, sending them to someone else to be able to invite that someone else who's more gifted, maybe does this, this handles this particular issue um, as, a, as a way of life. I mean, that's what, what they do. They might know better than, than me as to how to do that, but I'm the connector on that. I just want to connect them with the person that really can help them. Uh, depending on, like you say, Andy, if it's personal, if it's doctrinal, if it's organizational, um, mm. all those things can be at play depending on what that issue is. It's so interesting to hear you, Glenn, speak of so many different avenues of um, kind of uh, cause and effect of as it, you know, it, as you're saying, what's the situation? What's the personality? What's the what's driving them? You know, Andy, I didn't even think about the cultural aspects there. Yep. Where, yeah, some, I mean, and, and I, I would say you could look at global culture where you could look at from a macro level of, yeah, how's a Westerner going to handle it versus an Easterner, Easterner going to handle it. But then even the cultural aspects, you know, Glenn, as you started this conversation of in the home, where the way that my family handled conflict is different than my, fa than my wife's family handled conflict, the way that my extended families handle conflict, all of these differences. And often when we get to those kind of conflict resolution moments or when we're in the midst of conflict and we're looking for, okay, what is that foundation that I can go to? The thing that I see lacking in so many conflict resolution moments is that the people that are in conflict lack self-awareness to know who they are and what triggers them. Yeah, that's Because true. Glenn, even as you're talking about, as you walk into a church situation or a family situation, or, you know, as Andy and I get those opportunities to, ca to counsel those people, if we don't understand what's going to, you know, to, to use kind of some, you know, general secular words, trigger us where it's going to set us off, we're not going to be able to, I would say, maturely and safely counsel and minister to the people sitting across the table because somebody in a conflict has to almost be above the conflict. They have to be seeing life clearer than mm -hmm. just kind of the everyone seeing red. And so I would say kind of in the midst of this, where church conflict goes poorly is when no one is when when no one has self-awareness and where church conflict goes really well. And I would even say is limited is when everyone around the table, there is that level of self-awareness to go, oh, either I'm the problem or this is my issue or this is where I need to stop. But so often in those moments when there's heightened awareness when, you know, we're either chasing our brother with a knife or in my case, probably chasing my sisters around the room or hearing kind of those moments of angst. It's because kind of all mature parties involved have lost their lid. 
and you know and are just have, have, are, are are acting irrational um so that that's where self-awareness comes in and kind of offers that rationality again yeah self i think self-awareness and then the ability to listen becomes the the other big thing i mean i've been in so many different i think especially of marital conflicts you get two people in a marital conflict in in your office and one of my first things is always to think can these people hear one another hmm. you know can they really hear each other yeah they hear the words but can they really hear each other um and i, I think that's often the biggest difficulty is that they're not hearing each other and when it comes to church conflict people aren't hearing each other um it, it's a you know i want you to understand this and i want you to understand it this way and I'm going to keep saying it to you the exact same way six times. And you're sooner or later, you're going to get it. And they're not going to get it because they're not listening. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, that, that ability to, to be self-aware and to listen, I think is so important. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the worst place to heal is in the midst of a firefight. Like you can't start triage and you can't start healing and you can't rest when you're still fighting. And often, the hardest part in any conflict is to get both parties or all parties involved to lay down their weapons and to start listening to each other and, and walk towards the healing process. But that's like, you know, to your point, Andy, I've been in those moments when I've kind of, you know, I've, I've actively sat across the, the table or chairs from other people and go, okay, can you tell me in your words what they just said? And they translate it back and you're like, that's not at all what they just said. But it there's but it's such a heightened angst about things when you're like, just listen. Yeah. It, it it is it is interesting with this conversation too. I, I just think of Romans seven mm -hmm. because so often, you know, again with conflict resolution, we can again point outside of ourselves. And yet I think Romans seven offers grace because in Romans seven you see you see Paul describing this. The things that I don't want to do, I do. Mm -hmm. And the things that I do want to do, I don't do. And, you know, like just kind of lamenting of like, why am I in this body of death that keeps throwing me curveballs? And it makes me think of like the, the joys of heaven is that there's not, there's not going to be any conflict. There's, there's going to be no wars or rumors of wars. There's going to, you know, the lion is going to be, is, is going to lay down with the lamb. And we are going to act as we want to act. Yeah. Because the Lord is going to make us that way. And so often, even in conflict, it's like we can kind of look in the mirror and go, why are you doing this, you dummy? <laughs> but I think that's even a piece in conflict where we have to look at it and go, I don't know why I'm doing this. I don't know why I'm acting this way, why I'm saying these things, why I'm going to fill in the blank. Yeah, but that's the, that's the beautiful reality of Romans 7 to kind of give us this, hey, you're not crazy. You're still stuck in this body of death and yet at the same time redeemed to the glory of God. So, so conflict is going to be a thing. Yeah, there's a battle within. Uh, there's a battle without. There is an enemy. Mm -hmm. There is Satan and his minions that are that are doing their best to catch us at vulnerable points and in our weaknesses, and and that will uh, play itself out in the church, in the home, at work. Uh, again, I think a lot of it is conflict. Whether no matter where it's at, exposes who we are and so how how it is that we do handle those situations. Uh, I'm reminded of, and, 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 and maybe we can kind of 
find our way out of this particular podcast at this moment, but I'm thinking of Second Timothy 3, 16 mm. and 17. You know, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man or woman of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. You know, as we are engaged in the word with the Holy Spirit, we hopefully are winning those battles within ourselves so that when we get challenged outside of ourselves, uh, we'll be able to have the equipment of wisdom that comes from, from the word along with the spirit continuing to help us uh, to be able to discern and, and be wise, be able to handle those situations that come. You know, on the one hand, yes, I deal with this a lot. On the other hand, I'm thinking I could be dealing this a lot more. And I'm surprised mm. that I'm not um, just like all the million miles that I've driven in this job. I'm surprised I haven't had an accident. I'm surprised that I don't see more accidents out there as human as we are and prone to distraction and so forth and so on. So I mm. think that's a testimony of God's grace. But I think it's also a testimony to the fact that 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 people are engaged with God in the word, uh, receiving help from the Holy Spirit to help them navigate those situ situations to where. Uh, uh, they don't blow up more. Of course, we don't hear about them. We hear about the ones that do blow up and say, oh, what about the church? Well, actually, we're probably doing okay in the church as well, being able to solve those before they get to that degree. Any last comments, gentlemen? Then I have maybe back? one last question for you. Sure. Um, what resources would you point to if you're a follower and if you're a leader? Maybe they're the same thing. Maybe they're different. To maybe think about conflict and conflict resolution before you have it. Um, to, to think how, how could I be better? Um, what, what ways could I process that? Do you have anything in mind? Well, the only thing that there's, a, I mean, there's a lot of books out there. We, we, we can Google them and find them, but, but here I'll give a shout out to, to a friend and a peer, Steve Smith with church equippers, uh, org, I believe it is, or .com church .com. And he's got a he's got a, a bookstore there, but his book healing, I don't know if this is the title might be deep change. Um, but basically healing the heart uh, mm. of the individual, healing the heart of the church. And he just does a really good job of being able to guide people through where, where our conflicts from within and without come from. What are, what are some of those things that are battling and how can we get beyond them and set them aside so we can be the, the healthy and healing one in these situations rather than the one that's causing the trouble. Uh, so church equippers, either .org or .com. And uh, Steve Smith has put that together, and I found it really helpful. Great. Thank you. Yeah. Well, thanks, for everyone, for joining us on uh, this, uh, uh, this particular podcast of our comparing notes with one another. And uh, we'll close off this time. We look forward to seeing you the next time. Blessings. Thank you for listening to the Comparing Notes podcast. If you'd like to contact us, you can do so by emailing us at comparingnotes at gmail.com.